You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This episode of the Neverland podcast is dedicated to the memory of Kenny Baker. We'll always love him for being R2-D2 and always remember him for his role in Time Bandits, amongst many others. Where do you think you're going? Well, I'm not going that way. It's much too rocky. This way is much easier. What makes you think there are settlements over there? Don't get technical with me. What mission? What are you talking about? I've just about had enough of you. Go that way. You'll be malfunctioning within a day, you nearsighted scrap pile. And don't let me catch you following me, begging for help, because you won't get it. Adventures. I'm not going that way. Another world. Another time. In the age of wonder. There was once a dream. You could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper. And it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm gonna have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can fly. All it takes is faith. Trust. Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Up to Neverland! Take your pixie out of your pocket, Neverlanders. Sprinkle some of that pixie dust around and grab your happiest thoughts because it's time to fly to Neverland once again. And my gosh, I've got so much to pack in here that I'm not sure how much I'm going to be able to pack in because I have too much to pack into an hour. Oh my goodness, uh, this weekend was the Kansas City Comic Con, and I have been here, been at the convention this week, and I got to sit down and talk with Margaret Carey, the original model for Tinkerbell. Uh, she also had a panel. I did record the video of that panel. It was a fantastic panel. She was, I think, my favorite panel of the entire convention. Video of that I will hope to have up on Wednesday. Because uh, I've got to show, share this with you. Uh, I'm going to have to edit it together. I didn't have to film it with uh, two different devices. But there will be video. But uh, that, is, that video is going to be completely separate from the conversation that I had with her before the convention started. She was here representing the group Thank You Walt Disney at thankyouwaltdisney.org. Uh, they are the ones that currently own the original Lapagram Studios building. And they're trying to... Uh, kind of make a uh, museum slash uh, learn about animation type of building. Uh, it's an ongoing project. They're still raising money for it. But they brought in Margaret Carey for the convention to do this panel and uh, invited me to have some time to talk with her, which was a real honor and privilege. And I've been told by so many different other podcasters of how, just how nice and wonderful she is. They just didn't do her justice. She is more wonderful than anyone has ever described. She was just fabulous to talk to, and it was so great 
and uh, it was even really fun after her panel. I just happened to be walking out, and uh, she was walking there alongside me and recognized me. Well, said hello again, and uh, and uh, she asked me, "Well, did you get to go and see my panel?" I said, "Yes, I got video of it." She's like, well, "Will you tell me when you get that va- that video up?" And I said, "Well, I sure will." Oh, she was just delightful, and her her panel was so great, but. I got a bunch of other stuff to do before we get there. Uh, you recall from last weekend that Eric, Lost Boy Eric, Retlaw, was at Friends of the Magic. Uh, so I sat down with him this week to talk about his experience and all the fun that ha- went on there. We got to hear all of his ride audio last week, and uh, it's now we get to more of the story of it. So we're going to talk with him. Also, I got an opportunity to see Pete's Dragon. There'll be spectacle, there'll be fantasy, there'll be daring do and stuff like you would never see. Hey, a movie! Yeah, we're gonna be a movie! Starring everybody and me. Boy, I wish I were you people seeing this for the first time. Kermit, I got a great picture of the chicken! Oh, good! I wasn't gonna be done. Not yet. I just took out my pocket knife. And as the dragon set upon me, I drove it home. Scaring the kids again, Dad? No, no, no. I was just giving him a leg up on what's out there in those woods. Well, I'm out in those woods every day. And while I have seen bears and bobcats and just about every type of bird you can imagine, I have never seen a dragon. Well, just because you don't see something doesn't mean it's not there. And just because you say it's true doesn't mean it is. But I'm headed out there right now. And I'll let you all know if I see anything big and green and breathing fire. You looking for something? Oh, you scared me. Why aren't you asleep? Well, the same reason you're not, I suppose. I guess you heard about the boy. I did. No word travels fast in this town. How long has he been out there? Six years. Six years? Nobody can survive in that forest for six years. At least not alone. Well, he says... He says he wasn't alone. He drew this? He says it's his friend from the forest. And it reminded me of... I know what it reminded you of. That one? How old was I when you drew this for me? Now, I, uh, am, I'm kind of a fan, you would say, of the original film uh, that was released back in the 1970s. And as you've heard on this show, I was kind of wondering, like, well, really remake it? I don't know, it's not going to be the same, and, you know, not without a cartoon dragon. And I was had a lot of my doubts, uh, although the audio that uh, Eric had brought back from Disneyland from that nine-minute preview did sound a lot more interesting than anything I think I'd seen in any of the previews. So uh, I did get to go to the press viewing in 3D last Tuesday, thanks to some help from my stepmother, who had actually got some tickets for it. But uh, we went along to go and view Pete's Dragon. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about this newer cast. Of course, you've probably recognized Bryce Dallas Howard as playing a character named Grace, who's pretty much Ellen Reddy's character. You know, they, they, they kept some of the... 
same character types, uh, you know, characters to at least be a certain role in the story, because a lot of the story elements were still there, but it was reimagined and, and a different way to actually tell the story. And we have Robert Redford playing Meacham, her father. Uh, he's pretty much, you could compare him to Mickey Rooney's character of someone who has seen a dragon, but uh, maybe people don't quite believe him. Uh, then the newcomer, to, at least to me, I've never seen him in anything before, Oakes Fegley, who played Pete. Uh, breakout performance, he was wonderful as Pete. And then Una Lawrence was a little girl named Natalie, uh, which is kind of brought a different take on things. Also, uh, Wes Bentley is Jack. That's Grace's fiancé. Now, you might recall from the original Pete's Dragon that uh, Helen Reddy's character's fiancé was lost at sea somewhere, and she kept lighting up that lighthouse, hoping one day that he would come back. Well, in this case, uh, the fiancé is not missing. He's right there, and uh, Natalie is his daughter. Also, you have Carl Urban playing Gavin, Jack's brother. Carl Urban, of course, you will recognize from Lord of the Rings. Uh, he's been playing Bones in the current Star Trek films. Wonderful actor. Uh, he's he's good at whatever he does. This is the first time I've seen him play... Well, he's not really a villain, but he is an antagonist in this. This film, though, uh, it, it gives you... A little bit more backstory. It, overall, it looks like the film kind of takes place in the 80s with the, the style of the cars and stuff like that. I think they wanted it to feel a little a little bit about maybe the time that the original film came out. And if you recall, the original film, it was, you know, set at some, you know, 20 years or so in the past from the time that it came out. You know, it, it seemed kind of retro in that fashion. And it looks like they went for that same kind of thing, you know, by, hey, let's set it in the 80s. But we get to see Pete getting lost from his parents and being orphaned from his parents and when he first gets to meet Elliot at the beginning of the film. And the nice thing is, is you get a, a real good hint with this book that, that Pete has that says Elliot is lost. And this keeps coming up and coming up in the film. Now, if you recall in the original film, you don't get much for whatever becomes of Elliot at the end. He just kind of goes away. Well, they resolve that. This time you have a full story arc for even Elliot that you kind of get the idea that the reason why he relates to Pete might be because he is indeed lost from his family. And they keep talking about this uh, sort of a story and a song of these dragons up over in the mountains to the north. And if you could follow these stars, you would find them. It keeps coming up. And so you know something important is coming from that. And I did really enjoy that, getting that extra story and to, uh, to flesh out Elliot. The rest of the story is, you know, pretty much what you would expect, where Orphan Boy is suddenly found by Grace, who is a park ranger uh, in this area. There are some lumberjacks working nearby that her fiancé Jack is kind of in charge of them. Gavin is a fellow lumberjack. And you deal with, you know, Pete, who would not normally come out of the woods. He's enjoying his life with Elliot, but of course he sees Natalie and Ola's a girl, and he ends up coming out and being found... And so you have, of course, the development of uh, Pete finding a new family, the slow development of that story, uh, the, the chance exposure of Elliot to the outside world and everything that will become of that, and, of course, somebody coming along to try to make money from Elliot, uh, like you had Dr. Terminus in the original film who wanted to basically take all of his internal organs and, and make medicines, so he was a snake medicine seller, so he wanted to chop up Elliot. This time you basically get around to, uh, you know, hey, you know, people would pay to see a dragon. So there's money involved. But uh, you kind of get to see that he's not necessarily a bad guy. He's just, you know, acts like a jerk sometimes. And, you know, he, he gets, he's sorry about it later. You can kind of tell. Uh, but that's where this kind of story revolves around. And, of course, the relationship between Peter and Elliot. And Elliot kind of seeing, you know, 
as we saw in the original film, Elliot will kind of saying, you know what, this is good for you to have this family, and you need to maybe move on with that. Uh, so it's a very heartfelt story. There's times you're going to laugh. Elliot is a delightful character. Uh, he the 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 computer version really does remind you of the 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 cartoon version. Uh, he has kind of the big chin. He's got the floppy ears. He has a big tuft of hair on the top of his head that runs down his back. He really did remind me of Elliot, and, uh, and he, of course, just got a different voice, but he still talks about the same kind of, uh, 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 you know, kind of way, little grunts and things like that. But you get a lot of Elliot's communication kind of non-verbally. You know what he's thinking from the expressions and, his, he, and how he gestures. Uh, you really get some good conversation, and um, it really works. Now, the pacing of this film was pretty much the same pace that BFG was. Uh, which worked great for it. And this works very well for Pete's Dragon as well. The pacing was perfect. It was good storytelling. You know, I, you might know your own children on how they're going to be able to sit in a theater for a slower-paced type of film that might be a little too slow for them. There are some moments of action and some bit of comedy, but it's just good storytelling, and a lot of the storytelling is done non-verbally through a lot of this film between Pete and Elliot. Uh, although Pete does talk to Elliot, you know, but Elliot doesn't communicate with <laughs> with words. He can't speak. Uh, but overall, an excellent film. Uh, I, I hesitate to say it's better than the original because I know there's that nostalgia factor, but it may even be better than the original. Uh, I mean, the original, I do love it, of course. But uh, I really did love this one. And, uh, I, you know, leave your memories of the other one. And just come in fresh to this one. I did get to see this in 3D, I said before. It's, it wasn't really important to see this in 3D. There wasn't really anything that really screamed, 3D was great! You know, it was cool to see it in 3D, but it, of course it did make the screen seem darker because I had the glasses on. But I wouldn't say 3D is very necessary. It's not that type of story. Uh, but oh, just very good. I mean, this is this is Disney getting back to the magic. Uh, the magic of live-action Disney film. Uh, a wonderful movie. I highly recommend it. Go out, check it out. Peach Dragon. Do not miss it. Now, I normally would do a, a trailer park teaser before the movie, but uh, uh, we'll save it because, you know what? This was huge, and I bet you watched this already a hundred times. But there was a new trailer during the Olympics for Star Wars Rogue One. The world is coming undone. Imperial flags reign across the galaxy. Can you be trusted without your shackles? Let's just get this over with, shall we? We've a mission for you. A major weapons test is imminent. We need to know how to destroy it. If you're really doing this, I want to help. Good. Good. I've been recruiting for the rebellion for a long time. We destroyed our home. I fight the Empire now. I fear nothing. All is as the Force wills it. The captain says you are a friend. I will not kill you. Thanks. There isn't much time. Every day they grow stronger. There is a 97.6% chance of failure. He means well. 
Okay, so Friends of the Magic was last weekend. You all got to hear some audio that Eric sent us, but uh, we've got to get a little bit more than that. So Lost Boy Eric is here to tell us about Friends of the Magic. Hey, howdy, hey. Hey, howdy, hey. So you got to have all kinds of fun last week, and I, I, I heard all the fun your kids were having on the recordings. That was delightful. <laughs> well, I don't know who has more fun, me or them. I think maybe it's the kids, you know. <laughs> but I guess that's the way the, the magic of the park. It's it's more special sometimes for the kids and the kid in us. It is. It is. You know, and it's such a great experience just being able to take them and to see them, you know, going through these rides for the first time. I mean, yeah, they're rides. It's uh, something, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of magic and a little bit of mystery. And But you know what? It's fun. It's enjoyable. And it's great just to see their faces as they you know, ride a roller coaster for the first time or get, you know, kidnapped to fly along with C-3PO and a star speeder. It's, it's just fun. It's yeah. fun. <laughs> and your son is very vocal and everything. I, that, I, I kind of liked it getting a little commentary on soaring around the world. Cause he was saying, Oh, we're in Egypt. Oh, we're here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, great. I love it. I'm getting to know where you are. This <laughs> <laughs> so, commentary is just fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know if I ever get to hear your little girl. I think she's a little quieter, but I heard her get. I think I heard her get excited with the Pete's Dragon viewing. Oh yeah, yeah. In fact, you know that was a, a pretty amazing thing, and uh, personally, we're excited to see the movie now because of that preview. Yeah, the, listening to it, it's like you know this sounds better than what they've been putting on the commercials. So I was pretty excited to go, and everybody will hear. Well, I don't know where the review will be. Either you have heard it, or you are about <laughs> to hear my review. Of Pete's Dragon, because I did get to go. So, <laughs> All right, well, well, let's start. I guess you uh, arrived early Saturday morning? Actually, we arrived pretty late Saturday morning. Um, our flight uh, into Orange County ended up being delayed for about an hour and a half. So, oh, no. Uh, unfortunately, we did not get to participate in the first few events of the day. Uh, we arrived there uh, just about 11 o'clock and we went to go say hi to uh, all of the Friends of the Magic who had gathered over at Rancho del Zocalo to have lunch with Joshua Baker. And who's Joshua Baker? Oh, he's he's just a friend of the Magic. Uh, lives there in California. Tries to make his way down to the park uh, fairly often. But, you know, the great thing about Friends of the Magic is it's it's not just for podcasters yeah everyone there we pretty much listen to the same uh, podcasts but it's really a chance for fans to get together to get to know each other better and just to have a great time together yeah that's why i really want to go because it's just being that that whole group of people be fun to just bum rush a ride with a group of 20 people like woo, we're taking over this thing <laughs> it certainly it is um you know and and I'll have a little bit more about that for uh, what we did on Saturday or on Sunday. But, um, yeah, I, the, the first day was fairly kind of slow. It's just uh, everyone mostly just meets people getting together and chatting with each other and just uh, learning and catching up with each other. And, again, making friends and get to know everybody. Uh, just like at the uh, 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 picture meet that we had at 1.30 that afternoon, I got to meet people. Uh, Roger Colton, who runs uh, the Blue Parrot website. Uh, he's a Disney historian. He's worked with the Walt Disney Family Museum in uh, and, and I missed his meet earlier that day, but um, he was uh, old sea uh, tickets from the Disneyland uh, ticket books wow. to everybody who came. 
Okay. So, you just know, just frame it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've got a whole book here just full of imp- or unused E A C D and E tickets. <laughs> wow. And maybe even a B ticket. <laughs> <laughs> frame it, put it on the wall. Ta-da. Oh yeah. Yeah, four o'clock, uh, we all met over at the uh, uh, Carthay Circle uh, restaurant to take our pictures with Paul. It was his, Paul Barry's 50th, uh, 50th birthday. Happy birthday, Paul. Happy birthday, yeah, Paul. Made, exactly. He has made so many changes in his life lately, and, and he's so happy. And, you know, if you've listened to Window to the Magic, you what you hear is what you get when it comes to Paul. You know, he's very down to earth, very great guy, and very happy to be around his friends especially when there's a reason to celebrate. Yeah. And it is a 50th anniversary. It's the 50th anniversary of the day he was born. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, the But the first real ride meet that we were able to participate in uh, happened over at uh, Luigi's Rollick and Roadsters. And was this the uh, first time you got to ride it? Yes. Well, I'm not quite there yet in the story. <laughs> Uh, when we walked up, there was actually a, 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 a street show going on called, uh, oh golly, I forget what it was, DJ, the car with all the music from Cars, and he rolls up and they just play music uh, with some of the dancers coming out from Flo's V8 Diner to dance along with it. Huh. Um, and so, but after, after dj's party had moved on we walked across the street over to luigi's tire shop and we found out that the ride had been shut down oh (laughs) now we were i think the second people there and we actually beat steve swanson of the muppet cast he was one of the two sponsors for this uh for this event both him and another good friend of the magic named laura gregory uh hosted this event well you know what? The ride might be shut down, but that's not going to stop us from gathering around and having some fun with trivia. We talked about uh, different trivia with, involving Italy because, you know, Luigi, it's all of his family have come from Italy to celebrate and have some fun there in Radiator Springs. But we also got to enjoy some trivia involving Disney and their different trackless ride systems. Oh, cool. So Steve had several questions uh the answer to which was always varied. My son happened to pipe up with every question with the answer of Luigi's. Uh, sadly, he didn't get any right. <laughs> you know, but this, it, it, you know, it, it was a creatively titled event. Um, Steve Swanson, again, he's the host of the Muppet cast, everything Muppets, but there's nothing Muppets anymore in California Adventure or Disneyland. They didn't so, turn the Muppet Theater back into Muppets when they opened the Frozen live show? No, in fact, that is where the preview for Pete's Dragon is currently showing. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, Muppets still not present in DCA, but hopefully they can come back, or maybe they can find another way to come back anyhow. But because there was not a Muppet presence, uh, this event was entitled Laura and the Muppet Cast Presents Dance Your Cars Away. Worries for another car today. Exactly. <laughs> Worries for a Trans Am. There was even Fraggle. Exactly. And there was <laughs> even some Fraggle themed questions as well. <laughs> now, but that. So by the time that we had finished the trivia portion, uh, the ride had opened back up. 
So there were 32 of us uh, that um, entered in through the queue. We wound our way through it. There really wasn't anybody in front of us uh, as we were going through the queue. But as we get back to uh, the loading area, no one's moving. And we sit and wait for about 10 minutes, and no one's moving. Least of all, the cars. Hmm. Unfortunately, the ride had gone down again. Oh, my goodness. So, regrettably, we had to end the meet rideless. Ah. Still, we heard my audio last week. Yes, we did. So, thereby hangs a tale. Ooh. Now, afterwards, um, (laughs) our next event was taking place back in Disneyland across the Esplanade. Uh, the Paint the Night with Glow Mom. Glow Mom is Carol Clapp. If you've ever listened to any of the uh, WTTM24 shows, uh, one of the people that uh, is heavily involved with that is Greg Clapp. Uh, his mother, Carol, is Glow Mom. Uh, several years ago at different meets, she brought glow sticks for everybody for the uh, electrical parade back when it was showing at uh, California Adventure. And so now her tradition is anytime we get together for a nighttime parade, Glow Mom brings glow sticks for everybody. <laughs> and so because it is, it was a wait for the next parade to start, it again gave everybody a chance just to sit down, chat, get to know each other better, and uh, again, uh, pass out those glow sticks and get ready to paint the night again. For the last time. For ah, it was a little bittersweet. It yeah. Was definitely bittersweet because we don't know if we're going to see this again. Uh, hopefully, by saying that it's closing, they mean that it's closing for the next few months. Hopefully, we'll get it back in a seasonal status next year. But Yeah, because we'll they, they do have like a Halloween and a holiday parade, I guess, to do, right? So. There, there's not a Halloween parade. Uh, they, they certainly have one down in... Florida, right? Uh, at Walt Disney World, boo, the, boo parties, or yeah, <laughs> not so scary but, Halloween party. However, there is a Christmas parade that will start up uh, after Halloween's over, right? Yep, the Christmas Fantasy Parade. But uh, again, you know, we all rocked out to "When Can I See You Again" and sang along with uh, Elsa as she let it go, and just you know, again, had a good old time. You know. Due to the late hour, that left us with one more event that night. Spooky. Exactly. (laughs) It was spooky how we came up with trivia questions that nobody could answer. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought they were easy. (laughs) Well, and and, you know, we we did a good job stumping everybody, and I certainly hope that we've got a few few new listeners this week. (laughs) They were like, they talked to the voice of who did they say your name was I'm like, <laughs> i could ju- i could just imagine somebody listening like oh they had sunny gummy on here let's see what was the actress of sunny gummy can i find that episode <laughs> which it would be several episodes mm-hmm. that she's come along so mm-hmm. we love you katie lee yes we love you we just we need to teach more people that you're out there <laughs> exactly exactly and you know that pretty much ended our night at disneyland um oh. i'll tell you though there is nothing like walking through an empty park, especially that time of night. The lights are on. It, there's still background music, but it's quiet. You don't have the throngs of people walking around. 
And it just gives you this whole opportunity to really take in Disneyland in a way that you can't get any way else. Which I just a quick little thing I want to throw in. Whoever answered that Walt Disney Municipal Park, that there was a park. Actually, there is a park named after him, but Disney, Walt wasn't there for the dedication of it. But the uh-huh. pool the pool is inside the municipal park. So I kind of feel like I hope she got like a, a prize anyway. Whoever it was, because she was mostly right. And I was thinking, mm-hmm. you know what? I would accept that because we had stumping uh, people. So I hope she got at least something. Well, we can follow up on that. Yeah. Just like, oh, because you were really close because yeah, the, the pool is inside the Walt Disney Municipal Park. And I have taken a photo of that. And maybe this person is a listener and has seen that photo because I know I've posted it. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. oh, uh, yeah, because that's kind of right. But yeah, Walt wasn't there for the dedication of a park. He was there for a dedication of the pool. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's not quite right. But I was close enough. I was like, oh, you know, maybe we should have given her one of these pins. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> did you keep one of the pins for yourself, by the way? I did. I did. Okay, Thank you good. very much. Because it's a very apparently rare. And I got these when I was at that event in Marceline. And this apparently was part of the 50th anniversary uh, event. And this is, I guess, some pins that the employees were able to get a hold of mm. mainly. I don't I don't know if they were for sale to the general public or not, but. Very special pins. So those of you that got it, enjoy them, love them, keep them for years, share them with your children. Anyways, okay, so Disneyland at night. <laughs> mm-hmm. Again, yeah, if there, there, there aren't words. It's just beautiful. Did you get a, a chance to take a photo? Because I've seen where people will go and like the last thing to do, they'll turn around and get a picture down Main Street of the castle where nobody's walking around but everything's lit up. You know, I, I didn't, but my my personal thing is I like to get pictures of the castle first thing in the morning after the sun has come up with no, nobody in front of it. Yeah, if you can catch it, I guess at the right time you might be able to do mm-hmm. that. And I've got a whole bunch of photos on my Facebook page of just that subject. I think the coolest shot I have of, uh, of the castle is I got... Um... I found it on Facebook because while I was down uh, in 2009 in Walt Disney World, mm-hmm. there was a, a uh, shuttle launch. Oh, cool. And But I you know I was asleep at the time they launched it, so I didn't get mm-hmm. to like, oh, look outside. You probably see it. But ah. uh, Disney posted on their official page, and I saved it, and I kept it because I thought it was beautiful. But they had the, the castle, and you could see the rockets going up over, and it looks like a, it looks like a shooting star going up. Uh, it's a really, really cool picture. Mm-hmm. But it was wee hours of the morning. It was probably like four or five in the morning or something that they launched oh, that. Wow. Uh, so, but yeah, I understand, you know, if you get the right at the early morning, but uh, instead of the sunrise, though, this was a, you know, a rocket launch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it is beautiful in the morning. It's beautiful any time of the day, but I understand oh, this. Yeah. this is beautiful in the morning. <laughs> Almost definitely. Now, uh, we're the kind of people who we like to be there at the park as early as possible regardless of whether we only got three hours of sleep the night before because of how late we got back to the hotel and how cranky the kids were. But uh, we decided to uh, hit California Adventure first on Sunday morning. Um, we, we did, like I said, we walked over to Cafe or Carthay Circle uh, a little bit on Saturday and spent some time there. But really, we didn't spend much time in California Adventure that day. Uh, we got there before any Friends of the Magic event started, and that is when we discovered there was only a 10-minute wait for Soren around the world. Ah. And I'll tell you, I, I, I am going to miss Soren over California, 
Um, I've got a couple of little issues with Zorn around the world, namely the uh, transitions are a little too quick and contrived, and there are some scenes that look, well, a little more CG than mm. actual uh, architecture, but it's still a pretty good successor to Zorn over California, and I'll definitely be catching it again. Yeah, and I like that they, they kept pretty similar to the original music that was mm-hmm. there before. I like to be able to hear those themes. And I don't know if Jerry Goldsmith came in and composed something new or um, did they, did they get somebody to kind of take his themes and uh, just yeah, add I, I'm, culture. Yeah, I'm not sure who came in and did alternate arrangements. Uh, unfortunately, Jerry Goldsmith passed uh, a few years ago. Oh, that's right. He did, yeah. But uh, still, it's great music. I've still got... Um, the original Soren soundtrack on my phone pull up anytime I need a little pick me up and it cheer me up. It is good stuff. Mm -hmm. So, but since we had gotten in there so early and since we now had plenty of time since, uh, Soren had such a short wait, we finally got to ride on Luigi's Rollick and Roadsters. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, it's definitely a different, uh, attraction than Luigi's flying tires. But uh, it's still in the same area. Um, but, you know, it's definitely interesting. It's a trackless ride system. Uh, there are several cars that move independently of each other, and they go through their different dance moves as you're sitting there riding in them. Uh, one that caught me almost by surprise is there was one point when our car started spinning around very quickly. And, uh, again, just a lot of fun. <laughs> Yeah, it looks like fun. Uh, Scott of Disney Anna posted some high-speed video, actually, mm-hmm. of it running overnight. And you got to see it's neat because it, it looks like a, a, a musical theater on Broadway. They're just doing mm-hmm. these coordinated little dances around and spinning and twirling and doing maneuvers. And it just looks like fun. Mm-hmm. Well, and each car has its own name. It has its own little personality. So <laughs> they make it fun. Oh, I am actually excited for that because it's a simple ride. Sometimes are the most fun. <laughs> oh yes, you know uh, the first appearance of the magic event that morning though was brunch at Flo's V8 Cafe. We were right in the area, but we'd already been going for a couple of hours. We already had breakfast. <coughs> Excuse me. We just popped in and said hi to everybody and said enjoy breakfast. We're going to go ride Radiator Springs Racers. Oh yeah, you got to. Oh yes. And again, this was my daughter's first time riding this ride, and uh, let me tell you, it was a hoot and a half. Were you actually literally hooting as you were going? (laughs) Uh, Actually, she was, (laughs) come to think of it. (laughs) But again, that's that's just a fantastic ride, and our car won. Yay! We won the race. It's your daughter's fault. She was just a superior driver. (laughs) Could be, could be. Uh, following the uh, brunch, the next Friends of the Magic event was hosted by Clinton of Comedy Forecast. That's Clinton at Comedy Forecast, and you know, just just trying to make sure that sponsorship uh, information gets in. That's Clinton <laughs> of Comedy Forecast. That's the number four cast. Uh, yeah, for anyone who's regular listeners to this and went into the magic, you get the joke. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, in the years in years past, Clinton's events have been focused more on. Uh, Playing bingo on the Jungle Cruise. (laughs) Exactly. Things that naturally are humorous. Uh, This year, however, uh, much different from what uh, has been done in the past, is he his meet was organized to uh, 
for people to play games on the Midway at California Adventure. There's a Casey at the Bat game where you throw a baseball at a target. There's a, a little racing game involving different versions of Bullseye uh, from Toy Story. It's just a lot of a lot of fun. And of course, as with any carnival games, you win prizes of stuffed mm-hmm. animals. Well, the object behind this was not to win prizes for ourselves, but to win prizes which would be then in turn donated to the Children's Hospital of Orange County. Yeah, and I saw that post and I was like, oh, that was a cool idea. That's something different. Mm-hmm. And it was very successful. And uh, again, a good time was had by all. Yeah, and it was a lot of toys. Oh, yes. So, Oh, yes. And I'm sure that they are definitely appreciated. Yeah. Boy, I wonder if Clinton got to go and hand out the toys because he should share pictures. Mm-hmm. Well, I, <laughs> I know did. that he took them. I know that he took them over there. Because how much fun uh, would that be able to get to hand them out? Though, like, oh, yeah. And get to see the kids like, oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Brighten up the day because they're in a children's hospital and, you know, it's not fun. As long so. as it was Clinton and not Dick Bando. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Again, listen to Comedy Forecast. <laughs> yes, at ComedyForecast.com. That is the number four at ComedyForecast.com. Mm-hmm. Now, our next meet uh, was at the Tower of Terror, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, and it was hosted by Paul's son, Calvin. Uh, I get the feeling that Calvin's a little distressed that uh, this ride is going to be undergoing a theme change with the in the next few months. Uh, for those of you who may not know, it will no longer take us to the Tower of Terror. Instead, we shall be learning about our fears at nowhere. Yeah, somewhere within the collector's collection. Exactly. And uh, apparently you're helping the Guardians escape something, so... Yep, Guardians of the Galaxy Breakout yes. is going to be the new theme. So it'll be interesting to see how things change. Uh the great thing about Tower of Terror, though, is that, you know, the theme may change, but there's still the option in Florida for us to go to, and there's still right. a very similar ride to what's available in California in uh, Paris and Hong Kong. They've actually got a different theme for their Tower of Terror as well. So, again, it's going to be interesting to, to see how Guardians of the Galaxy are going to shake things up. Mm-hmm. And there's potential, you know, if you're dealing with the collector and you're supposed to be seeing his displays, Howard the Duck could be in there. It's a possibility. That's true. That mm-hmm. is true. That's something <laughs> I hadn't considered. I think it was Skywalking Through Neverland. Somebody brought that up. It's like, wouldn't it be cool if Howard the Duck actually was going to be on display? And a little animatronic, you know, Howard in there like, hey, let me out of this thing, you know. <laughs> that would be awesome. It would be. It would be. Again, we're just going to have to wait and see uh, how everything turns out with it. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, Calvin's idea behind uh, his meet, and I did not pick up on the contextual clues of this, but everyone was to wear a hat as they're going on this ride. Now, those of you who might not be familiar with Tower of Terror, it is an elevator ride that drops you faster than the speed of gravity. Yeah. And which means you're not going to be wearing a hat for very long. <laughs> So let me guess, the idea was to get a picture on the drop with everybody's hat flying in the air? I guess so. (laughs) But we were also encouraged to scream as loudly as possible so that the people down at at the ground level would think that someone had died within our elevator. 
<laughs> I think we may have succeeded. <laughs> now, this was also a first for my little four-year-old. Ooh. It may have also become an only for my four-year-old. Uh. <laughs> so we shall see if this has traumatized her too much or uh. not. <laughs> <laughs> the next meet that afternoon uh, took place over in Tomorrowland with uh, Shelly Valadoid. She's also known as... Uh, uh, she, she has a uh, column on Mice Chat called Fab News. Uh, she's well known for... with. You know, most people who are associated with Mice Chat, um, it, she wanted to ride the monorail. <laughs> so, well, sure. um, and you several, can have fun on the monorail. Exactly. Several of us boarded in Tomorrowland. There was a group that was going to board um, at the uh, Downtown Disney stop. We got want- to Downtown Disney. We found that group way too far back in line, and we sadly waved to them as our monorail pulled out of that station on its return trip back to Tomorrowland. Womp womp. Sorry, when womp, we say monorail, we have womp. to... <laughs> we have to womp womp when there's a monorail. Exactly. <laughs> now, the last event that we were able to attend was Meet the Friends of the Magic, uh, which was sponsored by our good friends Scott and Tracy over at the Disney Indiana podcast. Now, back before we arrived at uh, in California, the, the very first uh, event for Friends of the Magic... Congolouche! Exactly. <laughs> uh, Scott and Tracy had passed out... Not exactly, Really? They drank that much? Nah. <laughs> there was a pause. I had to throw it in there. <laughs> you know, they were lit. No. Um, <laughs> no, literally, they lit their heads on fire. You know, it was, they were a wild party. <laughs> Lampshades and all. Okay, anyway. Yeah, they're... they're we love you, Scott and Tracy. <laughs> we do. We certainly do. Their intention was to get everybody to get to know each other a little bit better. You know, like I said, a lot of this is getting to meet new friends, getting to catch up with old friends. So what they did is they took uh, basically a bingo sheet, and instead of bingo numbers and letters, they had different uh, things that you may or may not have done. And it was your goal to fill out all of the spaces with the name of a different uh, friend of the magic so that we could get to know each other, learn who could name four different Disney mountains, uh, who has been on a Disney cruise, um, who has been to a Disney park on another continent. Uh, questions like that. And again, it was just really fun being able to speak and chat with everybody. And this final event that we went to, it was their it was where everyone was to turn in their these cards and a winner would be selected. There was actually a winner for the first person to turn one in and then a winner between everyone who had turned in a card all filled out. For us, uh, it was I, again, it was kind of bittersweet. It was our last meet with everybody and you know, it gave us an opportunity to sit down and say goodbye and wish Paul one more time a happy birthday and Say goodbye to all of our friends, both our old ones as well as the new ones that we made on this trip. So it was time to say goodbye to all your company? Yep, M-I-C-K-E-Y. Well, we were going to see them maybe in a year. Oh, (laughs) I guess I should have thrown that in. K-E-Y, why? Because we're all friends. And there will be Friends of the Magic 2017. There will be. It's already been scheduled. Yep. 
And I will still be in school, but once I finish school and I have my much better job and much better income, I'm going. So, if not 2017, I will be there 2018. Your spot's reserved. Exactly. I will be there. (laughs) And people will be like, oh, that's what he looks like? Oh, good lord. (laughs) But, you know, again, Friends of the Magic, it's right there in in the title. It's friends coming together, friends celebrating together, friends enjoying each other's company. And, and what magic. better place? <laughs> yes, exactly. What better place than Disneyland to get that Disney magic and to experience and go on these rides together, uh, to have fun with each other? And, you know, I, I, I think if you'll remember back in the Muppet movie, Gonzo sings... Um, I'm going to go back there someday. Mm-hmm. And there's one line in there. There's not a word yet for old friends who've just met. We'll have to come up with that word by 2018 when I'm there. Oh, it's already been coined. And what would that word be? Podcasting. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everyone came together because in 2005, a guy went to the... 50th anniversary of Disneyland ceremonies. But you know what? We can share this with somebody. He was watching a parade near the telephones that are over by the uh, Matterhorn. He was talking with his dad on the phone and he lifted the phone up so that his dad could hear the parade going on. And that was the birth of Window to the Magic. Paul, you are a great friend. You have made so many great strides in your life, and we are so grateful to be able to call you a pal and a buddy. Thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to get together as friends and to enjoy each other's company. And get ready, because I'm coming. And it'll be my first time in Disneyland, so everybody's going to have some fun with me. Oh, exactly. And they'll be like, oh, you got to do this now that you're here. (laughs) And you know what? There'll be a lot of firsts for most of us on that trip, because... Star Wars Land is going to be open. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. And I will just schedule a Neverland Meets on that Millennium Falcon ride, I think. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Say, we are going to live out every childhood fantasy we had sitting on the porch when we pretended we were on in the cockpit, okay? Mm-hmm. We're going to do it for real. There you go. Because we know it's real in Disneyland. Exactly. It's real. You heard it here first. There we go. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for co- for recording some rides for us and coming on to tell us about it. And uh, we need to see you around here more often. We haven't had John in a while. Yeah, definitely. And uh, hopefully we can work out that, uh, you know, a little trip for me to head out to Marceline myself. Yes, because uh, I'm planning, you know, uh, anyone who uh, maybe has seen, uh, well, you, you have to look on my Facebook page, those who know who I am. Uh, my full name, which if you are a part of the Neverland Facebook group, you will get my entire name and will find me then. Uh, but I've been posting, uh, there's a new show called Who Did That Voice? Very fun podcast. Uh, I think he might have, he, he's got to have gotten a new and noteworthy. He's gotten a lot of downloads. But this guy, Trenton, uh, that I've been talking to, who's the host of that show, uh, he's planning to be at, uh, at Toonfest this year. Uh, that will be coming up here in September. You're going to hear me start talking about it as we get close to it because... I, you know, it, it was fun having a bunch of y'all at Planet Comic Con and seeing some hands go up and I asked, so how many people like to listen to the show? And when I saw hands go up, I was, oh, warm fuzzies, you know, but I would love to have some people who happen to find me there at Toonfest. And, you know, I get a little shy sometimes, but, you know, it's coming. All right. 
Platoon Fest, yes. So if you can get there and then Trenton be there and we're going to record the thing and I get to give you all a tour of Marceline because I've, I've been there for years and I can show you every round and show you everything and uh, we'll find, uh, uh, maybe we can get, I, I, Kay Mallins is usually very busy, but her mother Inez Johnson has so many great stories of having actually met Walt Disney and she'll give you a wonderful tour of the museum if we get a chance to talk to her. It'll be awesome. You'll love it. So, yes, you must come this year. All right. So it's it's so it has been said, so it must be done. <laughs> <laughs> to Disney and beyond. Okay. As I mentioned before, I did go to the Kansas City Comic Con and I got a chance to talk to Margaret Carey. And I'm just going to go ahead and play that audio. I've got so much more audio coming. And if you go to NeverlandPodcast.com and go into our news feed, I am working to get all the photos I've taken. There were some wonderful cosplay, a lot of Disney-related ones, some really great ones where they had both the prince and princess of Disney. Even somebody who was the uh, disguised Ursula covered in starfish. Lots of great costumes. Come by the website and check this out. Uh, I will, in the in the coming weeks, try to share more audio that I collected. I mean, I talked to a lot of different people, a lot of different actors. I, uh, I talked to uh, one of the puppeteers for BB-8. Uh, I wasn't able to record with him, but I did, you know, talk about what uh, I talked about with him. Uh, talked to the actor who's been playing Donatello in these new Ninja Turtle films. Lots of great conversations, and I will get all this audio to you as quickly as I can. But I, I don't want to make this show run too long. So let's just jump right in and hear from Margaret Carey and make sure that you do check in because I will have video of her panel. I also have video from Tom Wolpat and John Schneider from Dukes of Hazard. Great panel. Also, I recorded and got video of a panel with Mr. Billy D. Williams, Lando Calrissian, and all kinds of other characters. So basically you want to just keep a good idea onto the YouTube channel because I'll get this video up when I can. I'll probably try to release at least one a week if I can. Uh, I do have school my fall semester starting up here on Monday, so time is going to be limited. But keep an eye on our YouTube channel and in the next few weeks prepare for lots of fun audio that I recorded from the Kansas City Comic Con. Also, keep an eye on our Facebook page. I do have an event planned for September coming up that I have not got all the details worked out with, but it is coming and I have a guest interview I've got set for this week that I will I will play for you next week. Uh, something really cool that I know you're going to enjoy. But enough of me talking for now. Let's hear from Margaret Carey. <laughs> All right, Neverlanders, we're here standing with Margaret Carey, Tinkerbell herself. Hello. Hello. I'm so happy to meet you. The Neverlanders broadcast. Yeah, Lo- Neverland pod- podcast. podcast. So it's appropriate. I had to talk to you. Oh, well, of course. You know, it's so interesting. When I do my research or I talk to people, they ask me questions. There are many, many people who spell Neverland for two words. But I Fine. happen to have the original... <laughs> book by James M. Barry with me and he spells it one word mm-hmm. and every once in a while he says never never land exactly just every once in a while so that's that's your lesson for today everybody <laughs> <laughs> and buy a good hardcover I heck I got a hardcover for about ten dollars at a Barnes and Barnes and Noble if I can speak English <laughs> That is a very prized thing. It's a very nice hardcover, so it's and it's worth having. Classic books are always worth reading. Absolutely, and it's lovely to hold a leather-covered book in your hand. <laughs> you feel so swell elegant. He's like, look, I'm reading sophisticated literature now. That's right. 
<laughs> Even though I've probably been through the book more times on audiobook, I kept checking it out of the library. I used to work in an office. Oh. And so I'd listen to it and listen to it. And well, just... do, you, do you remember that in the book, if people haven't read it, they, they may not know, that all the Lost Boys were taller than Peter Pan? Yeah, because they, they described him about six years old. Yes. Still had his baby teeth. Yes. And the other thing was that, that Peter could never figure out what twins were. <laughs> And he wouldn't yeah. let any of the boys tell him because the rules were that none of them could know things that he didn't know. Right. Otherwise, they were out of there. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> yeah, and my wife actually quotes the book at me when I would say, oh, look how did, well I did it. This. She'd say, oh, the wonderfulness of me, <laughs> which Peter says out like 10 times throughout the book. Well, of course, and he's right. Mm -hmm. He's absolutely We forget um, that, that he can be a little bit manipulative. Yeah. And I... Actually, you know, I did over 600 cartoons, voiceovers. Wow. The Clutch Cargo, The Three Stooges, um, The Space Angel for television. They're still running. And so I speak different dialects and have several different voices. My goodness. And the, so one of the things that, I, like I do here at Comic-Con and, and do at Disneyland when I, I ask to, is I read from the book actual scenes and then I do the voice of uh, Wendy, you know? Oh, oh Peter. Are you going to do that tomorrow at the panel? I am. Oh, I'm okay. I, I am. I'm and totally going to be here. And then Peter <laughs> is, Peter's, well, well, my name is, is, is Peter Pan. And <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, that's all. Just Peter Pan. And then, of course, Tinkerbell. She's a little <laughs> different than that. Yep. So I do the different voices and I read the scenes. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I, I have a lovely time. I did that in front of two major audiences at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library. Oh, my gosh. If you can believe. Wow. They, I got a standing ovation. But, of course. But James M. Barry will always get a standing ovation. Yeah. Well, it's good stuff. It's good books. I'm still trying to find, because I guess there's a second book, Peter and Wendy, and I never find it anywhere. It's my understanding that Peter and Wendy was the title that he gave the first book, mm -hmm. and then it, it got changed. However, it's very muddy, uh, at least my deep research. <laughs> I like Wikipedia. Yes, I like Wikipedia. I'm sorry, Just folks. It's not always accurate, but it's... It, you get hey, it's close enough. <laughs> yeah, close enough. If you get into other research, I mean, they take four pages to tell you that he was actually born on the fifth block over on the third... A house, you know, up on the second floor on the ninth. I mean, you say, I really don't need to know yeah. that. Well, except for Walt Disney, I do have to know that because, you know, he's got his one of his childhood homes is actually here on Bellefontaine. I went over there, I took some pictures of it, and I actually hosted a panel at Planet Comic Con this year. I had some people from the museum in Marceline come down. We talked about his time in Marceline. Have you ever gotten to visit up there in Marceline? Now that I think about it. Uh, no, but they have visited me several times when they've come to town, you know, with the, the shows, and mm -hmm. so I've gotten to know them quite well. It's a beautiful museum. you got to go sometime. I missed, I missed going on the Carrollwood Pacific. Uh, that is the railroad uh, that Walt Disney started. That was the name of oh, his, cool. of his um, railroad in his, in his backyard. Oh, and yeah, so the there is an organization, Roger Brogy, and they piled, you know, anyone can join it. it it's just a wonderful idea. But they piled everybody on the train, oh, about four years ago, and they went to Marceline on a special mm. coach, and they had a 4th of July party oh. there. And I, I was doing another show, oh, so I no. couldn't go. 
actually just a couple weeks ago they had some Disney legends that were like the original Club 55 cast members there. They love having Disney legends visit. I tell and they'll you, let you do a program. There you go. I, you can sell no, some more books. No, it, it's, it's <laughs> just, it's, it really is amazing. Walt Disney is amazing. We were just talking about this project here that I'm backing, which is Thank You, Walt Disney, mm -hmm. which to me is so important because, and we were joking about it, but it's true that Walt Disney changed the world. He changes, I don't care where it is, I don't think if anyone is, has ever seen a, a movie, they've seen a Walt Disney movie, I don't ever think that one of their kids will ever let them kill a mouse. <laughs> right. You know, you're not going to kill dad, are you, daddy? No, daddy, no, no, no he's so cute. What? He's so cute. A Walt Disney says so. And, and mm -hmm. he changed our direction of the way that we feel about animals. We, we do, mm -hmm. I remember... See, I'm so old. I was born in 1929, and I caused the Depression. <laughs> oh, yes, I did. You're laughing. Aww. But it went right downhill from there. So I went to work when I was four. Wow. But my parents were old enough to be my grandparents. So I have a tremendous history behind me of how they lived their lives with me in their life. They were 53 years old when they adopted me. Wow. Adoption was a big thing in the Depression time. Yeah. So... Uh, but I know how they looked at animals, and I know how they looked at children. And, for example, putting me to work at four, uh, when I was four was nothing. That's what kids did. Yeah. My dad told me, the, uh, the one, I found my family after 50 years, by the way. Wow, cool. Yes, it was a, it's a pixie-dusted <laughs> life, I will yeah. tell you. But my dad told me when he was seven... He got the job of currying the horses next door for the neighbors. Wow. And he got 50 cents a month for doing that. And then he sold newspapers before he went to school. Always could put money on the table on Friday night for his family. He said, all the kids. We didn't think anything about it. Nowadays is, oh, you did what? That poor child. I have to drive them to school, strapped in, and, yeah. you know, kind of thing. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying it's very different. Yeah. So, animals were not that big thing. I mean, animals were animals, but Walt Disney has given us heart for yeah. them. And Mark Davis, of course, who designed Thunker, Thumper, and Flower, mm -hmm. and. Uh, uh, who, who did the greatest animals, but he did the females mostly for Disney, yeah. <laughs> but he did great animals. He just gave them heart. Yeah. And I think that that's what Walt Disney has done. He's given the world the opportunity to say, I have heart for other people and other things. So getting uh, his building done here and getting the, uh, thank you Disney, uh, thank you Walt Disney organization, getting places where kids could come and learn animation, nice. can learn about him, can... I think it's fabulous! Yeah, because we're losing that art of hand-drawn anything. Everything is so computerized now that... Well, you will be happy to know that every day I live in Glendale, I drive by the two great big huge buildings that are all dedicated to hand-drawn. Awesome. Yes, and I go, wow! It's right <laughs> at Imagineering at the Creative Campus. I live, uh, I could walk over, actually, and ABC uh, uh, News is, I walk. I can walk over there, and on the other way, I have to drive over because it's two miles to, a, to Disney Studios, mm. so I'm right in the middle of that. <laughs> Fun place to be. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs>
So how has faith played uh, a part in your life? Faith has been very, very important because as a child, I grew up, I was at dancing school, I was at school, I was doing my homework, um, my parents were on either side of me when I went any place. I had no friends. Hmm. And I was yearning for something else. And my mother told me when I was 18, she walked into my room and said, you may now date. <laughs> and turned around and said, what? You know, because if you were a child actor then, and I think it's probably true now, you never looked at the opposite gender. Hmm. Because that meant that maybe they wouldn't hire you. You were no longer a child actor, oh, you know? Like, oh, wait, you've grown up now. And in one of the scenes, and I tell the story in my book, um, with the Eddie Cantor movie, I was there with Dick Humphreys, who was my sort of love interest, sort of, <laughs> you know, you could... And the director, Gordon Douglas, wanted us to flirt with each other. I have to tell you, we worked and worked. But we didn't know what flirting was. He was quite disgusted with us. So when you see the movie, it's two people sort of looking coyly, you know, over our shoulder. But so I, I said to June Wilson, who was the dance stand-in for Joan Davis on the movie, where do you find boys? I, you know, I wouldn't know what to do with them if I found them, but at least I could know where they were. She said, you come with me to Hollywood Presbyterian Church on Wednesday night at Christian Endeavor, we got them. <laughs> and so I dressed up like a beautiful movie star. I read my movie magazines. I knew how you could do that. <laughs> and I went over, and sure enough, there were about 200 young people there. And uh, there were boys there. Oh, I would, that was good. <laughs> and then this wonderful woman who is very famous in, in Christian history, Henrietta Mears, came out and talked about arguing with God. Mm. And I thought, I, I got to know that. I gotta know that and I discipled under her and became a, a Christian 1949 on St. Patrick's Day. Wow. Yes. Found out later with my, when I found my family I'm Irish and Scottish so <laughs> it worked. It worked. So no it, it, it's, it's always been very important to me and things like uh, talking to a friend last night here in Kansas City about animation and his love of animation and uh, I'm desperately trying to think of the man's name who Fritz the Cat. Um, what is the name of the animator producer who changed the direction of animation so it could be R-rated? Yeah, I remember hearing about that. I've I, never seen it. I knew him. He was my neighbor around the corner. I was never so sad and, and yeah. disgusted in my life. Why would he do that to animation? And, of course, now we have those questionable animated shows on television mm -hmm. that I heard one or two of the directors actually say, I can't let my children watch my animated cartoons with me. Yeah. And you think, what kind? So, so you can understand. I want, yeah. I love the, the, I love the happy ending. Yes. I love the virtuous people that Disney puts in his movies. Mm -hmm. I love the way he deals with animals that seem to love each other. Mm -hmm. So that that's faith-based. Exactly. Yeah, so you know, a lot of his character came from he. You know, he didn't always go to church, no, but he had but that moral background. A lot of us don't either. But, yeah. but it's you know, it's our guide. It right. is absolutely, absolutely our guide. And uh, as they say in Peter Pan, faith, trust, and pixie dust. And faith is always the first word in that. Absolutely, and I use it quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And back to the uh, to the Ronald Reagan uh, library where I gave the two speeches. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I 
I got a standing ovation for at the very end, you see. Mm -hmm. And if you, I don't know whether people know, but Ronald Reagan had a saying, which they have on slogans and so on for him. Maybe you'll catch it. So I said, everybody remember, it's faith and trust, but verify. <laughs> <laughs> and pixie dust. Right. <laughs> and actually, you have to verify at the same time. But you look for that. Mm -hmm. You look for that. And that's the yearning that I think people love uh, Tinkerbell because she's always looking for that. She's always going around the corner. You know, the first time we find her, well, you've read the book. Yeah. And the first time we find her in a jug. She liked it very much. She'd never seen a jug before. Yeah. She could hardly wait. And that's me. What's around the corner? Curiosity. And I, th I think people and the expectancy that it's going to be wonderful, not what we are sort of getting... Uh, I'm not getting political or anything, I don't mean that, but for years and years and years, I love the, the California Angels, they're my, they're my team, back at baseball team, <laughs> and if they won a team, my newspaper would say, Angels squeak through. They can't say that the Los Angeles Angels or the California won the game. No, <laughs> yeah. they squeak through. Yeah, it sounds more dramatic. But it's yeah. also negative. Every, right. All these negative. And don't let, don't anybody let that happen to you because it's so easy in this day and age if you're reading a newspaper or any of those things. It's all negative. Yeah. So, but anyway, Tinkerbell is not. <laughs> right. Tinkerbell is lookout world. Here I come. Right. Lookout Neverland. Here I come. <laughs> yep, and that's what uh, with my show, what we call Pixie Dust. We say our phrase is to keep a pixie in your pocket, and we talk about having that young at heart, good attitude, and Pixie Dust is sharing that good attitude with other people. Oh, that's one. That gives me tinglys. <laughs> <laughs> but that's to us. That's Pixie Dust. Is because. Our attitude, if we keep the right attitude, it's infectious. We, if you go up and you smile and you oh shake my. somebody's hand, oh my! It Every once in a while, mm -hmm. uh, it, it, but you don't know that that person who didn't accept your smile might not walk away and think about it. Right. You just never know. You know, it's interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't remember every single opening of the uh, Walt Disney shows. They were all named different things, but he was there. And he called it fairy dust. Right. So I have always said when he had fairy dust in his pocket, I had pixie dust and I brought it into the room. <laughs> so those are really two different things. And yeah. I figured fairy dust, yes, that's Walt Disney. Fairy dust. <laughs> the rest of us, we have our pixies. Right, right. But, uh, golly, I, I think I've, we've covered about everything except for, well, uh, you got to meet Walt Disney there on the set. Of I did Bell, so I several times. Several times. He was charming. Uh, he didn't really know my name. He knew, you know, Margaret, but that was it. One time I had told Jerry Geronimi, one of the directors who was always on the set with Mark Davis. Mark Davis, by the way, was an absolute genius gentleman fabulous man. I mean, he was just one of those that you would want as a friend. That's uh, not putting down Jerry Geronimi. He was, he was a feisty little Italian. But <clears throat> anyway, I had mentioned that I had gone to school with uh, Sharon and Diane at Monticello oh, really? School for Girls. It was, it was brief. I think it was about one year or so. And he evidently mentioned it to Walt Disney. And as we're standing there, Walt Disney looked at us, I said, I understand you went to school with my daughters. You know, that wonderful Midwestern twang that he had. And I wish I could say I was brilliant. I wish I could say I said something. I said, yes, they were in different grades than I was. 
<laughs> you know, and to this day I'm thinking, wow, that was brilliant. But anyway, and then it sort of stopped the conversation, and he stepped back and came back and said, I think they must have liked you. And I thought, isn't that neat? Yeah. And, and, and he came over several times actually to see Mark Davis and the cameraman and the crew. And I just happened to be there, so I was invited to be in on it. But it, it was a thrill. And in my book, I, in that chapter, I put his name in, in capital letters. Walt Disney, because I said that's the way I felt about it. Then he was also the head of the studio. You see, I had worked at every major studio for all the years before I worked at Disney's. And the head of the studio, he was God. You never saw him, or if you did, everybody stepped out of the way to allow him to pass, you know, that kind of thing. As a matter of fact, I was working at Fox when I got the call to see about um, interviewing uh, with Mark Davis over at Disney. And Georgie Jessel had come on the set. He was the uh, he was running Fox at the time. I swear to you, he had an entourage around him. Wow. He was shorter than I was. But uh, I thought there were six trumpeters in front of it in uniform. It felt like that. And a, a dancer who was right behind me said, um, "Are we supposed to curtsy?" <laughs> but you you did. You had that feeling. Yeah. And here I was talking to the head of the studio, and it was about the fourth time, a third time that I realized. No, let's back up about the, yeah, the third time. Not only is the head of the studio that I'm chatting with, he's Walt Disney. Right. Uh, but it, you know, I wasn't too fast on the uptake. <laughs> and that kind of stuff. Because they were guys. They had stuff to talk about, sure. you know. And here's this little thing standing over here in her bathing suit and her cover-up. I would never meet him unless I had my little jacket cover-up over him. Yeah, those were the days when it was Mr. Davis, Mr. Disney, Mr. you know, whatever. Yeah, modesty and respect. Exactly. Yeah. There was nothing wrong with it either for right. anybody. It was, it was pretty great. I talked to Catherine Beaumont about it, too, uh, and said, did you ever feel uncomfortable there of the things that, that you were doing, you know, all-male crew and rough and ready and so on and so forth? She said, no, it was absolutely uh, Mark David or any of the directors would not put up with it. I felt very protected, is what she said. Helene Stanley was a friend of mine who uh, fortunately died young, but she did, hmm, what princess was it? She, she did a beautiful job, but she told me the same thing. She said it was really wonderful to go on the set and not worry about, because she was cute as a bug, you know, just adorable. And we, we all sort of felt that, and I'm walking around in a one-piece bathing suit, so. Yeah. So what was it like? Uh, I gotta ask, of course, about the Lone Ranger. I didn't. I've never watched much of the TV show, but I love old radio shows. Oh, I do too. I'm I, crazy I, about it. Especially, there's a, a Christmas episode I check out of the library every year of the Lone Ranger. I love it. Uh, and you got to be on the show. I did. I got a call to go over, and I thought, well, I know how to be a female on a, a, a western. Yeah, you know, get in the way of the guns and, and say something stupid, you know, and wear a, a dress that shows off your whole anatomy that had nothing to do with the Old West. Yeah. Well, it wasn't like that at all. I got to play Jane Carter. 
and of course I had lied to to the casting people that I could ride. I mean, we all did. <laughs> so they just had me dismount, which was smart of them. And I was a, a, a tough little cookie, a daughter of an injured uh, rancher. And that was, uh, so I got to do a lot. But the biggest thing was, the biggest thing was, I'm the one who got to say, no, Dad, he's the Lone Ranger at the end, the height of my career. There you go. Well, thank you so much for taking some time with us. I've been told we need to wrap up, um, but this has been wonderful. It's great to finally met you after all this time. And, and the truth is the name of my book, which is Tinkerbell Talks, I certainly do. <laughs> well, that's great, because you've got so many stories. Uh, I know, and I'm a, basically a storyteller. Being mm-hmm. Scots-Irish, they can't stop me. Right. Thank you for asking, nice. and you have a pixie dust today, will you? You And where can people find the book? Um, it will be out in uh, the first part of next month, which is, what, September? Yeah, next September. month. September, uh, on Amazon. Or on my website. Go on my website anyway. You'll see me in pretty pictures and I'll be on the sound stage and all kinds of fun stuff. And it's called TinkerbellTalks.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome so much. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official Lost Boy or Pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander. Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash NeverlandPodcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we love you.